Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Well, good morning. My name's Pastor Brad. I'm the worship arts pastor here at New Life, and it's a great joy for me to be able to share with you this morning. But before we dive into today's message, I just want to celebrate last week's celebration. I mean, if, that, if you were here last week, man, what a great, what a great time. Friday night, we had a huge pig roast with our church family. It was just a lot of fun. Uh, it's the first time my kids ever saw two pig heads cut off of pigs before, so that was a fun conversation. But uh, I said, doesn't it taste good? Frey, my, my, my second youngest, goes, yes, Daddy. So I was like, that's my boy. So, um, so we had a great time together, and then we had incredible worship on Saturday and Sunday. And then uh, Sunday night, we had the fireworks, and that was just such a great, fun experience. And I just want to thank you if you came out and had a great time with us. Uh, Just thanks for being there, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Uh, But right now, today, actually, we're in part five of a series called Sit, Walk, Stand. And what we're doing is we're taking a book in the New Testament called uh, Ephesians, and we are studying this book. It's written by a guy named the Apostle Paul, and Paul was a, a, a pastor who planted churches. And what he would do is he would go around and he would plant some different churches and then he would write letters to these churches as a means to edify them, to help them grow, to encourage them, to train them and teach them. And so that's what what he did with the church at Ephesus, which is why we have the book of Ephesians in our Bible. And uh, there was a guy named Watchman Nee who was a Chinese pastor who just passed away about 60 years ago. And, And he noticed in studying the book of Ephesians that there was a process in the book of Ephesians for growth, for Christian maturity. And he noticed that it began first with our place or our position in Jesus. And and Watchman Nee mentioned, and, and Pastor Chris made very clear a couple of weeks ago, that our position with Jesus is seated with him in the heavenlies. In fact, here's what Pastor Chris said. This is such a very important thing that we understand. He said, Jesus died and rose again to give us the seat of honor with him. Now, Pastor Chris pulled that directly from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, where Paul says the exact same thing, that Jesus died so that we could be seated with him in the heavenlies. In other words, we find our position or our identity in Jesus. So that's the first step, knowing Jesus. And then the second step we'll talk about specifically in a couple of weeks is walking before the world in wisdom. In other words, when we find our position in Jesus, then our actions begin to change. So the next step is actually life change because our actions, our actions begin to reflect our position in Jesus. And it's a very challenging uh, part of our walk and our growth, but it's the part that makes the most difference. In fact, if you're here today for the very first time, uh, first of all, we're just so glad you're here and we're thankful that you're here. We plan for you to be here. I hope you had a great time so far and that you'll have a great time uh, through the rest of the experience. But if, if maybe you haven't been in church for a while, probably one of your biggest pet peeves or reasons for that is because Christians talk the talk but don't walk the walk. And we want you to know today that that's, that's an issue that we all know uh, as followers of Jesus that we have to address. And that's what Paul did here uh, in Ephesians. Actually, he addressed it. Listen, guys, you have your position in Jesus. Now you need to walk before the world like you know Jesus. So that knowing Jesus makes a difference in our lives. And then the third step to Christian maturity is to stand against the enemy. 
And we're going to look at the, in the last couple of weeks of this series, we're going to look at some specific tools that God gives us in order to stand against the enemy. But one of the things that I observed as I've been studying Ephesians and as I read Watchman Nee's book, uh, Stand, Sit, Walk, Stand, and as I talked to Pastor Chris even this morning, I said, you know, it seems like a lot of people, they, they get to step one where they know Jesus, and then they immediately want to get to step three where they can fight the enemy. But there's a, there's a process here. That, that we can't miss. And that process is growth. That process is maturity. In fact, the Bible teaches us that the devil has schemes against us. And I don't know if you're familiar with what schemes are, but schemes are plans that are hidden from a person. So the devil, he has schemes that he's hiding from us to come, come at us. And if we're not aware, if we don't know, if we haven't grown enough in our faith to recognize that the enemy's attacking us, then we won't know how to stand against him. So we have to go through this process where we know Jesus, where we grow up in him, and then we can stand against the enemy firmly. So it's a, it's a, grow, it's a, it's a process for Christian maturity, Christian growth, and that's important for all of us. And we're gonna, we're gonna kind of work on the walk and the stand in the next few weeks, and I'm really excited about that. But today, we're going to actually learn about an incredible opportunity that God gives all of us to help people understand their position in Jesus. In fact, what we're going to see today from our scripture, which, by the way, is Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 13. Um, so if you, if you do have a Bible and you want to open that up or you have this little book here, this is our study guide. If you have that on page 24, uh, you'll find our, our message for today. It's got the title and the take-home point and the commitment in there for you and the scripture so you can take some notes. Uh, if you have a smartphone or anything like that, you want to get that out, that's absolutely fine. Follow along. If you don't have any of that, you can look up on the screen. But here's what we're going to discover in our passage today, that we are God's plan to reveal God's plan. In fact, that's our take-home point for today. We are God's plan to reveal God's plan. That's what we're going to learn. So let's dig in here to Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. And as we do that, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that we have these words here that we can learn, that we can grow, and that we can go and live out before the world and, and in our lives together. And God, I pray that you would open our hearts to what you would have for us today, that you would receive all the glory and praise for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's look at verse 1 together. When I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles. You see, Paul, as he's beginning this section, he, he begins first by thinking about all this. Now, the question is, what is all this? Right? What is all of this? Well, well, Paul's actually reflecting back on what he wrote in Ephesians chapter 1 and 2. And what he wrote in Ephesians 1 and 2 was this, that God loved people so much that he sent his son who came here to this earth and lived a perfect life that none of us could live. And he died a death on the cross that we should have died and that God raised him back to life again on the third day after he had been dead and buried. God raised him back to life on the third day and he overcame sin and death forever through that. And now the scripture tells us that we receive Jesus' life when we believe in him. When we believe in his work and what he did on the cross for us, we receive his life. And when we receive his life, then John, the apostle John actually says in John 1.12, I love this, it says that we are adopted into his family. 
We are adopted into God's family. And Paul, writing in Ephesians 1 and 2, he's saying, hey, guys, listen, this is such an incredible thing. God did this not only for Jews, but God also did this for Gentiles. That's why Paul says in the next part of the verse, as a slave of Jesus... For the sake of you Gentiles. Now, most of us in here today probably don't come from a Gentile lineage, I bet. Most of us are, are Gentiles because Gentiles, all they are simply are people who aren't Jews. Okay, so most of us today, we're, we're Gentiles. And Paul was sent by Jesus, as a, he, he, re, he recognized himself as a slave of Jesus, going out under Jesus' command to deliver a message to Gentiles. And it's such an incredibly important role that Paul has. In fact, he begins to explain it in verse 2. Look what he says. Assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. You see, what Paul was doing here is he is showing us that through his position in Jesus, through knowing that Jesus loves him and Jesus saved him and Jesus is now directing his life, he receives his mission. So from his position in Jesus, he receives his mission from Jesus, and his mission is to go to the Gentiles. And so he's explaining that to this Gentile church. And then he continues on in verse 3, and he says, As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. You see, this is such a very important thing that we understand that we have this book where we can read about God's mysterious plan that has been revealed to us through Jesus. And Paul, in writing this, and particularly in Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to look at that in just a minute, where he explains the plan and he gives the plan to us. He was writing in obedience to what Jesus would have him say. You see, what Paul's doing is out of his position, he's executing his mission, and he's doing it well because he's telling people what Jesus told him to say. Because Paul actually had an experience with Jesus, a very real experience, on a road to a city called Damascus where actually he was going to kill Christians. You see, Paul was a Jew, a very devout Jew, who hated Christians, and he was commissioned by the, the, the Jewish leaders to go and kill Christians. And on his way to Damascus to do that, Jesus met him and said, hey, Paul, what are you doing? Listen, I've got a different plan for your life. And Jesus told him right then and there, I'm going to tell you, I'm going I'm to send you to the Gentiles and you're going to tell them about me. And Paul's life was changed in that moment. His heart was changed, his thinking was changed, and his actions began to change as God directed him and led him. And so Paul, writing in obedience to Jesus to the Ephesians, tells him, hey, listen, here's this plan that God has kept hidden for a very long time, and here's what it is. We're going to reflect back on Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure, and this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. So Paul points out here that God's plan is to bring everything under the authority of Jesus. Now that even includes our lives, guys. That's the thing that's so important for us to understand, that Jesus, that God created us, and Jesus is bringing our lives meaning and purpose. In fact, outside of knowing Jesus, our lives won't make any sense 
and we'll chase all the wrong things until we find Jesus. Because Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the thing that we are looking for in our lives. He's the one who designed us, who gives us the purpose, who wired us the way that we are so that we can accomplish the task for which he's laid out for us and planned in advance for us to do. It's an incredible thing that Paul is making note of here. And Paul is saying, hey, listen, this, this plan was not revealed before Jesus, but God, through Jesus, accomplished this plan, and now the plan could be known. Look what Paul says in the next verse. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his Spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And what you need to know about Paul is because of Paul's experience with Jesus, he was an apostle. Paul had a very real experience with Jesus, and, and he was an apostle. He was given a message to deliver to a specific group of people, those groups, that group of people being the Gentiles. And this message was given by the Spirit through Jesus. And Paul, in being directed by the Spirit, Paul then wrote this next part in verse 6. He says this, And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body, and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. Now, I don't want you to miss this today, okay? If this is your first time here, or maybe you haven't been in church for a long time, or maybe you've been just questioning whether Jesus is real and, and what is this whole church thing all about, I don't want you to miss this because what Paul is saying here is this. No matter who you are, no matter who you are, God welcomes you into the blessing of his family, when you believe in Jesus. No matter who you are, God welcomes you into the blessing of his family when you believe in Jesus. Please don't miss this today. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. It's a good plan. And he's calling all of us to grow up in him. He's calling all of us to know him deeply. And he wants you to be a part of his family. He welcomes you into the blessing of his family. That's what Paul is saying here in this verse, that God, knowing God, has an incredible inheritance because in this life, we need Jesus because when the next life comes, that's when it gets real. Paul is saying that when we know Jesus, when we when we experience Jesus in our life, when we trust him, we receive this inheritance of what Jesus called life. Okay, now most of us know what life is, right? We're alive right now. And if you're not alive, that's probably not a good thing <laughs> right now. But, but most of us right here, right here, right now, we're all alive, right? But, but Jesus wasn't talking about that. Jesus wasn't talking about biological life. He was talking about a different kind of life, a spiritual life that begins here and now when we put our faith in him and it continues on after this life is over. And you see, guys, that's why the decisions we make now, that's why it matters for eternity. Because the decision we make to trust Jesus or not matters for eternity, whether or not we're going to be with God in his family now and forever or not. So that's why it matters. And that's why Paul was, as he's thinking of all of these things, and as he's reflecting, he's reminding us that all of us can belong to God's family. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, God is inviting you into the blessing of his family. Then Paul gets a little bit more specific, and he talks very specifically to the church. So I'm going to do the same thing this morning. If you're a follower of Jesus in here today, um, that's what the church is, by the way. Church isn't a building. It's, it's people. 
And so if you're a follower of Jesus in here today, I want you to kind of focus in on these next few verses because Paul is, is about to unfold an incredible plan, an incredible opportunity that all of us have here on this earth. And he begins in verse 7 by saying this, By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. So Paul begins by saying, listen, by God's grace and mighty power. And what he's doing is he's alluding back to what he wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, which is this. He says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. You see, what he's doing is he's reminding us as followers of Jesus that it's not about us. It's about God. It's about what he's doing in our lives. And you know, what happens so often to Christians, to followers of Jesus is we, we find our position in Jesus where we believe in him. We recognize that we need a savior. And so we trust him. And then God begins to do stuff inside of us and we begin to change and things begin to start working in our life. And then something creeps in called pride. And we start feeling pretty darn good about ourselves. And you see, what Paul does is as he begins this section, he reflects on that and he reminds us that, listen, it doesn't matter what you do, God already loves you as much as he's ever going to love you. You don't have to earn God's favor and you're not better than that next person because God loves them just as much as he loves you. So it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus and what he's doing in our lives. So he's re reminding us about that. And then he says, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. Now, if you're like me at all, uh, you probably think of telling people about the good news uh, either in one way where you're really happy and excited to do that, or if you're a little bit more like me, you might think of it more as a task, more as something that you have to do to fulfill your faith. And, and if we're really honest with ourselves, I think a lot of us really feel that way. But what Paul is saying here is, no, 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 no. It's not a task. It's a privilege. And you know, what I have to do, because, and I'll just share this with you, because this is very real about me. Um, God wired me a certain way, just like he wired you a certain way. And the way that God wired me is, is I'm, I'm a little bit introverted, okay? And, and listen, just, just so you guys know, introverted does not mean weird, okay? <laughs> just everybody's like, oh, you're an introvert, you're backwards. No, I'm not backwards, all right? I know how to have a conversation, all right? But, but, but here's the deal. What an introvert is, is an introvert gets energy from not being around people, right? They get energy from reading or being alone, which right now you extroverts are like, you guys are nuts. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's, that's, that might be true, but we think you're crazy too. So that's okay. And, and, and here's the deal, right? God loves all of us. He created all of us because we all have to work together for this, this task or this opportunity that God has given us to do here on the earth. But for me, telling people about Jesus, sometimes that's hard because I'm an introvert, and it's, and it's just, you know, it's not easy for me to go up to somebody and be like, do you know Jesus? <laughs> it's, just, it's just not easy. And some of you can relate to that. Others of you, you need to back off a little. Because um, <laughs> remember, you might be speaking to an introvert, and they want to run and hide. So, so, so here's the deal, though. Paul reminds all of us that it's a privilege 
It's a privilege. And so what I have to do is I have to remind myself constantly, listen, I have this incredible thing called the good news. That is to Jesus, tell people about Jesus. I have this incredible gift. And I want you to think about it this way. If you have the cure for cancer, what would you do with that? Wouldn't you go and give it to whoever you could give it to who needed it? Yeah, you would do that. Well, I want you to know something. We all have a disease. It's called sin. Every person on this planet struggles with sin. And that's because in the beginning, God created everything perfect, and Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, and sin came into the world. And because of that, all of us struggle with sin. And Christians, followers of Jesus, we have this cure, this answer to the sin problem, and his name is Jesus. And we have to remember that it's a privilege to tell people that, guys, we have the answer. You know, you receive Jesus, and, and you know, I don't want to be, I, I want to be real with you. you. You might receive Jesus, and you might still have some of the same problems tomorrow. But as you walk with Jesus, as he frees you from sin, those problems begin to move out of your life. Because when we walk in obedience to Jesus, okay, don't miss this, all right, because this, this is not wealth and prosperity of gospel, okay? Because <laughs> you actually have to do something. You have to walk in obedience. When you walk in obedience to Jesus, just like Paul did, there's an incredible blessing that comes from that. And it's incredible what God does in our lives when we do that. So, so Paul is saying, listen, it's God's, by God's grace and his mighty power. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And it's a privilege for us to take this good news and share it with the world. Then he continues on and he says, though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. Now, when we think about verse 7, that God saved us by his incredible grace and his incredible power, and that we have this incredible news to tell people. I, I don't know about you, but I reflect on my own life, and I think about the things that, you know, I've done that aren't good, that haven't honored God, you know, and, and I, th- I reflect on all of those things, and I think, man, I, I don't deserve it. Well, here's the deal. We're in good company if you did that as well, because Paul says it. And listen, this is true. Paul didn't deserve this. Paul was on, his ro- on, on the road when he met Jesus. He was on the road to go kill Christians. And Paul had already killed some Christians. Imagine the incredible guilt Paul must have felt as he reflected on the days when he killed his brothers and sisters because now he was proclaiming the same message that they believed that they were proclaiming. Think about that. That's messed up. Paul doesn't deserve this. But here's the deal. None of us do. And that's the incredible thing about God's grace. It doesn't matter who you are. God welcomes us into our family because of his incredible grace and his mighty power. Verse 9, Paul continues on. I was chosen to explain to, to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. So Paul is reflecting back that he received this commission from Jesus to go and explain this message to the Gentiles that they might receive the church or receive Jesus and become part of the church. 
And I'm thankful that Paul walked in obedience there because if it wasn't for him walking in obedience, you and I wouldn't be gathered here today. And here's what Paul then says about that in verse 10. He says, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, what Paul's pointing out here is this commission that he received is now being passed on to the church, and the church now is to carry the wisdom of God to the world. God has ordained or chosen the church as the vehicle for releasing his peace on the earth. Okay, now what does that mean? That means that you and I, okay, if you're a follower of Jesus, look at me just for a minute. If you're a follower of Jesus in here right now, that means that you and I are the messengers, are the deliverers of the gospel, of the peace of God, of the kingdom of God, no matter where we go, where we live, where we work, where we play. All of us are messengers of this wisdom. Now, what is the wisdom of God? Because Paul says, you know, God wants to use the church to display the wisdom of God. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. God has united you with Christ Jesus For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. You see that? Jesus is the wisdom of God. Jesus is the wisdom of God. What does he do? He makes us right with God. He makes us pure and holy, and he frees us from sin. That's what Jesus does. That's what we need. Because here's the deal, guys. When we are free from sin, We're able to live the way that God wants us to live, and the problems in our life begin to go away. And I'm not making light of the issues that we all face because we all face issues in our lives that deal with sin. But as Jesus begins to work in our lives, remember that's the middle step, step two, of walking before the world. When when we walk in obedience to Jesus, our problems begin to dissolve because we find the truth in Jesus. And this is an incredible thing because most of us, we won't turn to Jesus first. We'll, we'll get on Amazon or Google and be like, how do I lose 15 pounds in 10 minutes? Right? <laughs> Throw up a lot. I don't know. You know, that's what we do, isn't it? How do I manage my time effectively? How can I spend more time with my kids? How can I manage my money better? How can I make more money? Right? Don't we turn to the internet for these things? See, what Paul's saying here is stop it. Turn to Jesus. He is the wisdom of God. If you want to know how to live, if you want to find peace in your life, turn to Jesus. That's what he's saying. That's what he's reminding the church, and he's telling the church, listen, we have this incredible opportunity to tell the world what they need. Instead of going to Google, they could come to you. And you can say, listen, here's what you need, Jesus. He is the wisdom of God. He's going to make you right with God. He's going to make you pure and holy. And you're going to find peace in him. See, that's the thing that everybody wants in their life. They want peace. That's why self-help is like one of the top-tier selling books, uh, categories in America. But Jesus is the answer. And that's what Paul is saying. And you and I, you and I are God's plan to reveal God's plan. 
Remember that? That's our take-home point. You and I are God's plan to reveal God's plan. Would you just say that? Would you just say, I am God's plan to reveal God's plan? Would you say that? I am God's plan to reveal God's plan. Let's, let's say it again like we, like we really mean it. Okay, here we go. I am God's plan to reveal Yeah, so that's the deal, guys. Like, we need to go out of here and actually do that. Because it's nice to talk about that in this room where a lot of us know Jesus, okay? But when we actually live that out in our life, what does that look like? Well, it means that we tell people the truth about God, that God loves them, that God has a plan for their life, that God saved us, and we're just as messed up as ever, but God still chooses to save us because of his grace and his mighty power. It's a privilege for us to be able to do that. Now, Paul says in verse 10 something that I think is incredibly important. Not only do we share this with the world, with the people that we know, but also he says that we are to display God's wisdom in the unseen world. Now, this is really a unique uh, experience here in this passage because Paul uses two words there. Uh, the first word is archis for rulers, and the second word is exousius for authorities. And what Paul is pointing out here is that in the unseen world, because as Christians, we believe from the Bible that there is a physical world that we can, you know, where we can see, taste, touch, smell, and hear. I did a lot better this time at the first service. I couldn't remember those, but I did it. Yeah. You're welcome. Okay, so... So we, we have the physical world, right? You know, we, we, we can feel it, we can, we, all that stuff, and we know what that is. But we also believe, based on the Bible, that there is a spiritual realm, that there is a, a realm that we can't see, a, a realm where God exists. And it's in that realm also where we, the church, display the wisdom of God against Archus, the rulers, and Exousius, the authorities. Now, we did a series on this very specifically last, uh, last year in 2015, it, beginning in February. And I would encourage you to hop online and watch that because it was just a very powerful series about these um, specific demonic powers. And that we talked about two more specific ones as well. And I'm not going to go into great detail about it, but I do want you to know this. By the way, that series was called Armor of God. I want you to know this, that Arcus is the demonic uh, spiritual power that says, I was here first. And exousius is the demonic spiritual power that says, you don't have the right to speak. Okay, so, so what, they, what they both say to us as followers of Jesus is, I was here first, get out, and you don't have the right to speak, move along. That's what Archus and exousius do. But you see, what God is calling us to do is to remind them that in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 says, God created everything. In the beginning, God created. So that tells me two things. Number one, God was there first. It doesn't say, in the beginning, Arcus created. It doesn't say that. It says, in the beginning, God created. Number two, it tells me that God had the right to speak because he spoke into the chaos, into the darkness, it says, in Genesis chapter 1. God said, let there be light, and phew, there was light. So God spoke first. So here's the deal, guys. As followers of Jesus, we're going to bump into this all the time, and some of you might be bumping into it even today. As you, as you go to work, as you go to school, as you maybe even deal this, with this in your family, 
you're going to come against these, these two forces where somebody's going to say, listen, you, you, you don't deserve to be here. You can't be here. Get out of here. We don't want your thought. We don't want your Bible. We don't want any of that. And what you can do is you can stand on the authority of God that you can say, actually, yes, I can be here because God created this, not Arcus. Maybe don't say that to them because they won't know that. They won't have any context. <laughs> if you want to explain it to them, be my guest. But just tell them, listen, I, I, this is incredibly important. We have the, the right to be there first. And the bigger one is the, where we feel like we don't have the right to speak. The reality is that we do. God has given us the right to speak. Knowing God has given us the right to speak. So if you're a follower of Jesus in here today, don't miss this. Because when you go and you display the wisdom of God in this world, you're going to fight these two things, tooth and nail. You will. And you're going to win some and you're going to lose some. Because that power... That demonic spiritual ruler, Arcus and Exusius, they are very powerful. Very powerful. But here's the deal. Their power's fake. Their power's fake. It's, it's a lot like um, a blue raspberry slushy. You ever had one of those? I just had one the other day. And I love them. But my wife says, there's no real food in there. It's all fake. It's all chemicals. And I said, these chemicals taste pretty darn good. <laughs> but here's the deal. There's nothing real in a slushy. There's no real power behind Arcus and Exusius. They just have to be called out. And we have to step into the authority that God's given us. So don't miss that. God's called us to display that. And then Paul encourages us by saying this in verse 12. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you so you should feel honored. You see, what Paul was concluding with here in this section is that we can come boldly and confidently into the presence of God. That means we can step into situations where we feel like we don't belong there. And we can step into situations where people are telling us to be quiet. And we can boldly and confidently come into the presence of God and say, you know what, I am going to step into this situation because God does belong here. And I am going to speak into this situation because God needs to speak here. And listen, I want you to understand something. When you go into those conversations, don't focus on the negative thing. Focus on the positive thing. God loves people. God wants people to be a part of his family. Don't go in and say, well, you shouldn't believe this because blah, 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 blah. That's not, don't do that. Tell people about the good things that God is doing and what God wants to do in our lives. Because Christians, unfortunately, in America are known primarily for what they're against, not who they're for. We are for people who are stuck in sin. What do I mean by that? I mean that Jesus was for me when I was stuck in sin. And when I believed in him, I received his life. And that came through a person speaking to me. So in your lives, wherever you go, you are the church. You are the carrier of the wisdom of God for people. So go and tell people. We are God's plan to reveal God's plan. We are the people who are supposed to tell the truth to people. And uh, interestingly, I came across this word that I hadn't seen for a long time. It's the word, uh, the word is soothsayer. Has anybody ever Anybody ever heard the word soothsayer? Okay, 
More, many of you. Okay. So when I first heard this word, I was in middle school. And uh, I, I always kind of pictured, I've been an imaginative guy my whole life. And I, the definition is a soothsayer is somebody who tells the future, can foretell the future, right? So I kind of pictured them as kind of like a psychic in a garbed uniform with an, with an orb thing and that they floated above the ground and that like smoke came out of their pants, you know? <laughs> so, and they just kind of floated like the undead in Warcraft, you know? And uh, if you don't know what that is, that's a good thing. <laughs> but... Uh, but I kind of had that picture in my mind of what a soothsayer was. But actually, the interesting thing is when you look at the definition and you go a little bit deeper, you can find its original definition from Middle English is, is sooth, actually is, a, is the word for truth. And, and I don't know if like somebody was just missing their teeth and couldn't say the T, but, but anyway, so, so the word sooth means truth and sayer means speaker or teller. So somebody who's a soothsayer in the original definition, was somebody who told the truth. And so my challenge for us today is that we will be soothsayers to this culture, that we will be soothsayers in our families, where we go to work, where we go to hang out and have fun, everywhere that we go, that we will be soothsayers, that we will tell the truth about God, that God loves people, that God has a plan for people, and that people's lives won't make any sense outside of knowing Jesus. That's the truth about God because, remember, we are to display God's wisdom, and the wisdom of God is Jesus. We are God's plan to reveal God's plan. So our commitment today says this. I will be a soothsayer this week. I will be a soothsayer this week. And if we go out of here today and we tell the truth about God to people that we're close to and even some people that we're not, it's going to be incredible to watch what God is going to do in our community, in our church family, and all over this region. And I'm excited to see as we are soothsayers together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to take your word and to apply it to our hearts and to live it out in our lives. I pray now, God, that you would move and change inside of us in such a way that you would be glorified as we trust you and as we lean into you. God, I just thank you for the incredible grace that you've shown me and so many other people in this room. And God, if there are any right now who need to trust you for the very first time as Lord and Savior, I pray you would do that now. Meet them where they are, that they would say yes to you and that you'd fill them with your spirit and lead them on from this place today into a new, brand new relationship with you and into a new life. Thank you for this time and opportunity we've had together this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.